All right, everyone, you have just tuned in to the Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast presented by 26shirts.com slash Pittsburgh. And we are 0-3. I don't really know any other way to start the broadcast by saying anything other than that. But that's the reality. And uh, to make matters worse, I am hosting this podcast from my daughter's bedroom because, uh, well, she's away at college. It was empty. It's quiet. And earlier this week, my refrigerator leaked into my basement. <laughs> and the fortress of Steeler Tude is, let's let's just say that uh, uh, it's it's in need of massive repairs right now. I am very, very excited to tell everyone that nobody was hurt, number one. Uh, and and probably more importantly, none of my Steelers paraphernalia was hurt or damaged in any way. Uh, however, I already have one couch that I had to destroy with the old Sawzall. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm waiting to get back down there to see if all of our electronics still work, too. So uh, it, it's been a fun week here in the Steel Dad household. So uh, it's actually kind of nice and quiet up here and uh, no dogs or cats to bother me. So and I, I know you're tired of hearing about that. So let's and I'm tired of talking about it. Um, so the Steelers are, in fact, 0-3. They, they come home to play the Bengals on Monday night after the tough Bum loss in San Francisco. Yeah, uh, you Correct. You're, you're right. I, I, I still try to be proper at times, but yeah, for the most part, it's bungholes. Um, ben, I'm just going to put it to you bluntly. Uh, at 0-3, um, does this team have a chance to make the postseason? Well, they're not mathematically eliminated. <laughs> <laughs> but... <laughs> Um, I, I would say their chances are very long right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, and leave it at that. I, I just, if they go eight and eight, nine and seven, I'm going to be pretty pleased. And I, I don't know that that's even going to happen. I think this could be the year that we finally have a losing season and it'll be the first time in what? 15 years. Long, long time. Never under Mike Tomlin, but but yeah, long long time, and and uh, you know, I, I mean, you look at the schedule, and and they they've got uh, uh, obviously uh, Cincinnati, and and then they've got Baltimore back to back divisional home games, um, and and then they go off to the Chargers in Los Angeles. Believe me, we don't want to discuss Mike Tomlin on the West Coast any more than we have to. You know, and then you got the bye week, and they come out of the bye with three straight home games, uh, Miami, Indy, and um, the L.A. Rams. So I, I, I'm i hopeful they can get to 7-9, and 8-8. Eight and eight. I, I, I think it would be a bit of a, um, oh, a moral-type victory based on the well, way things have gone. But, you know, I, I don't know. They, I'm just trying I mean, to be optimistic. <sighs> They are playing some pretty bad teams this year. Okay, they still have. They've got to play Cincinnati twice. Yep. They've, they've got to play uh, the Browns, who aren't exactly lighting it up twice. Nope. nope. Um, and I'm not. I think that's actually pretty even. I don't. I'm not saying anybody's got an advantage there. Right. Uh, they got to play the Dolphins. Um, who else? The Jets. The Jets yep. are horrible. Um. I think the Ravens are going to steamroll us. It's going to be embarrassing. Uh, and I hate Ravens fans, man. But, you know, 
and the Cardinals. The Cardinals are nothing to write home about either. Right. So I think seven or nine might be realistic. I don't know that nine and seven is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I just I just don't. And you know, we're gonna have to hope for growth and yeah. recognize the fact that this has officially become a rebuilding year. It has. It's now a young team and uh, they're going to make some mistakes mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. some of the veterans that we've picked up um, as free agents are, are doing okay. And some are doing, you know, uh, Mark Barron, not, okay. yeah. not, not so well. Um, so, we're just gonna have to live through it and then reassess things at the end of the season. Um, I don't understand why there seems to be this tendency by Steelers Nation to blame mm-hmm. it all on coaching. Um, I'm sorry, I just don't. Mm-hmm. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying the coaching has been has been great. Oh yeah. But but when players can't execute basics like blocking and tackling and catching the ball and throwing it to open receivers. Uh, I don't care how good the coaching is. It, it doesn't right. matter how good the game plan was or how good the game, the play call was or any of that. People giving the players a pass to me is absolutely ridiculous. It's it's mm-hmm. ludicrous. They're playing like shit. And it's not, again, about the coaching. And trying to relay your experiences from high school to what <laughs> professional athletes go through is also ridiculous. And well, I'll I, leave it at that. Yeah. You know, I, I think. I think a lot of people do that because it's the only way they can relate. Um, and it's, it's you and I have been around long enough to know that it's really not relatable. It's two completely different things. <laughs> but um, I, I'm going to take like this really easy road here and just say it, it's the coaches, it's the players, it's both. I, I just think that this has been the perfect storm of of guys just not performing on the field coaches not always putting guys in the best positions to to perform on the field um we keep seeing the same mistakes after three weeks we you know as you mentioned um when you don't when you don't catch the football when you don't block well when you don't tackle well when you don't cover well you're not going to be successful I, i mean i never dreamed there would be a scenario where a Pittsburgh Steelers team would get five turnovers and still lose a football game. Yeah, that, um, that, that is – it absolutely boggles yeah. my mind. I mean, they should have gotten at least 14 points in the first mm-hmm. half, mm-hmm. maybe more, but at least 14. And had they scored touchdowns in those two short drives, they would have won. Yeah, the game was it over. It may not have been pretty, but it would change the entire context of the game, put a lot of pressure on the Niners – and they would have won. And I, I strongly believe that. And you can blame it on the play calling, but mm-hmm. I've watched the film. Yeah. Rudy missed open receivers consistently on that drive, on both those drives. And and they went nowhere. And it was just well, like, dude, I, I, yeah. what is going on with you? I will say one thing, and I, I want to throw one compliment out there since we're doing a lot of bitching. Yeah. I did not see any blown coverages this week. It seems as though the the addition of Minka Fitzpatrick was probably a very good addition, because um, that's the only change they've made back there. And they haven't there haven't been any blown yeah. coverages. Now they did give up some touchdowns uh, on sure. on pass plays, but the coverage, while it wasn't great, it wasn't a blown coverage. Nobody was standing there wide open, and 
Garoppolo did throw a couple of dimes on some yeah, touchdown plays that I, I was like, wow, okay, that's, you know, yeah. that's going to happen. Sometimes the other guy makes a play. I just I don't want it to be a case where somebody forgets to cover somebody and two guys are pointing their fingers at each other going, well, I thought you had him. No, I thought you had him. That, to me, is frustrating as hell. At <laughs> yeah. least our guys are trying and they fail. It's like, okay, well, you know, he made an effort at least. At least it's progress. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I, I and, and let's let's kind of stay in that vein because um and, and we're going to talk a little bit about um Mason Rudolph and what what we thought of him and uh, Ian did a really really nice breakdown of literally every one of his dropbacks this week and and um but but Minka Fitzpatrick um I I thought Ben that that right away I noticed that things seemed to be, and I'm, I guess the word I'm going to use is stable. It seemed to be more stable back there. Um, I was a little bit surprised at the amount of times that Keith Butler had him up on the line of scrimmage. Now, uh, by surprise, I wasn't upset necessarily by it because he, he made some plays. Um, but at the same time, I, I was kind of hoping he'd be back there to, to stabilize things on the back end a little bit more because we have seen so many issues of blown coverages, miscommunication and stuff. Uh, what was your overall impression of him um, on, on relatively short week learning the Steelers defense and, and playing? Well, I think Tomlin talked about that uh, in his presser, and he just basically said, look, you tell the player what he needs to know, but you don't give him the in-depth behind why what he needs to know because you've got yeah. a very short week in which to prepare him. So they gave him the what last week. They didn't give him the why. He used mm-hmm. his instincts as, as to why that stuff needed to be in place. And he obviously was a very stabilizing force. I agree with you. But it's also obvious to me that he's calling the coverages. He's Regardless of whether or not he's at the line or he's back deep mm-hmm. as you know single deep, he's calling the coverages and he's yelling things out to the guys. So it's it's working out. Thus far in our favor, and I, I'm pretty pleased. The guy's got a he, – he must have some pretty good football smarts. Absolutely. Based upon and, what I saw. Well, and that's what I was going to ask you because, you know, I, I, I'm i so tired of hearing – and this goes back to the LeBeau days a little bit – but so tired of hearing how how complex and how difficult the Steelers' defense is to learn. But yet this guy comes in, uh, and in less than a week knows at least enough to where he can go out and make calls and make plays. You know, So it, it just leaves me kind of you know smashing my head against a wall at times. Like, what does that say about the rest of the guys on this team if, if we're struggling to pick things up and he just walks off the street? So I agree with it. I think he's got to have some really, really good football acumen. Um, and I think we know he does. Mike Tomlin talked about that. Um, if you if you go back to the the draft the year before, I mean, he he liked Fitzpatrick. There was no two ways about it. But he also knew there was no way in in heck that he was ever going to be able to get him because he was going to go so high. So I, I I think it was a great start for him. I mean, anytime you you not only uh, uh, get a pick, create another turnover, which is what this defense desperately needed. Um, I, I think it's a a very promising start for him, and and now we just hope that it it kind of picks up from there. Um, if if we stay on the defense for a minute and get away from something that's positive, unfortunately, what's going on with Mark Barron? I, I mean, wasn't he brought here because he could cover? I mean, he couldn't cover a fullback and he, on, and on he, Sunday. Well, okay, 
but Juszczyk hey. is actually a very good receiver. He he is. I mean, it's not um, like a nineteen seventies fullback. No, I understand no. that. He's but. he's not. He's actually a very good receiver, and that's why the Niners signed him. Um, Definitely. But yeah, no, he was brought in because he could cover. He could play strong safety, and they had him lose weight. Yeah. To get quicker, um, he just I don't know. He just doesn't look good in coverage, and he's also getting shaken and missing tackles as a result mm-hmm. when when ball carriers are coming at him or he's got an angle. And it's not like he's taking bad angles. He's just – there's a little tiny juke, and he can't quite stop and get to where he needs to be to make the tackle. And that's this has been a consistent issue. It's been a theme since the mm-hmm. preseason. And, we, you know, I just hoped he'd work it out. I was like, okay, well, you know, he'll, he'll work this out. He'll take different angles, and he'll get to where he needs to be, and he'll adjust. He's a smart guy, too. But it just hasn't happened yet. I don't know. What I can tell you is if he keeps playing like this, he won't be a Pittsburgh Steeler next year. He'll be gone. Um, so I, they're going to need another linebacker because Vince, I mean, and the story with Vince over and over and over again has been, you know, they keep trying to replace him and they can't. <laughs> True. <laughs> I mean, True. And it's it's the same thing again this year. Uh, you know, Mark Barron's just not that guy. Um, I, I don't know. They, they finally have their buck linebacker, which is awesome. I, yeah. I love the fact yeah. that Bush is in there. Um, uh, also, uh, feel pretty strongly that Fitzpatrick's going to be there for a long time. There's no way they're going to let that guy leave. They're going to sign into an extension uh, after yeah. his third year in Pittsburgh. Yep. You know, uh, he, he looks fantastic and it, just so long, as long as we're on the subject of Fitzpatrick, real yeah. quickly, um, yeah. the Steelers had him. I found out about this after the trade. Um, I knew they had a very high grade mm-hmm. on him mm-hmm. in 2018 yep. coming yep. up the draft, but uh, they rated him as the number one DB in the 2018 class. And yeah. part of it was the fact that he could play he can play corner or safety. They also had him number five overall on their big board. And they didn't didn't have Bush that high this year when they drafted him. So, you know, that's not to say they didn't have a higher grade on Bush than they had on Fitzpatrick or comparable grade. I don't know what the actual grade was. But as far as the board goes, he was number five. And they viewed the opportunity to trade for him in what essentially was just giving up a first-round draft pick because they they got draft choices back. Right. Um, in fact, the additional draft choices they traded for him were both conditional. Uh, I don't know what the conditions are, but I'm going to guess and say, based upon Fitzpatrick's performance so far, he's going to meet the conditions and we're giving up those extra draft picks, but, uh, we're getting additional draft picks back. So we're not really losing total number of draft picks as well. The Steelers didn't have to sign him to a $10 million plus signing bonus. We covered this last week. Yeah, and they're yeah. getting him inexpensively, plus a you know an option for a, option, another yeah. year, the fifth year option. So it it was just a no brainer for them. And uh, I really looking at this guy after a week, he and Bush are going to be there for a long time, and I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be awesome. I I am too, and I I think you know I I, I always try to catch my breath, slow down with these types of trades and everything. I don't want to get too high. I don't want to get too low, but 
there, there's no way that you you don't make this deal uh, if you're Kevin Colbert. I, I mean, as you said, you're you're getting a proven player, a guy that you know you had highly rated just the year before. Um, you're getting him on an absolutely wonderful deal, and, and I, I yeah, it's it's totally fine with me, and I'm great with it. I, based on what I saw last week, I'm even more great with it, um, and. Um, just, just kind of to segue to you know the the other trade this week, of course, was that the Steelers made a a move to get some tight end help. Which, if you are a regular listener to this podcast, you will know that we've been screaming about this since probably March. I got to control my blood pressure. Thank you, thank you. Uh, and they finally addressed it. And you know. Ben, why weren't you crazy about this? Because I think we've taken a lot of slings and arrows for 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 not supporting the Steelers, as they say, in this trade. What, what didn't you like about it? Oh, oh, I've seen it. I believe me, man. I've seen oh. it. It's, it's a fifth round draft pick. We, we, we look at all of our fifth round draft picks that have not panned out. And yeah. to me, it, Richard to me, Sermon was a fifth round draft pick, and he really sucks too. Exactly, I, I, but you know. It, it wasn't just that it was a fifth. It's it's the Jags fifth that they gave up, and it's probably yeah. going to be a high fifth, the high to mid fifth, um, which is basically a fourth. So I, yeah. what I didn't like about it was one, it's desperate. I mean, they mm-hmm. don't, they didn't make a move until they had to. They yep. watched Gentry, they watched Grimble all the way through mini camp and training camp, and did nothing. Um, they could have tried to make this move in late August and probably gotten him for less, a six or mm-hmm. a seven. Mm-hmm. When the Seahawks realized that the, the Steelers were desperate, they hammered them. They were like, yeah, well, it's going to cost you that five if that's what you want to do. I mean, this yeah. guy isn't a good fit for us, but, you know, we were trying to shop him around in August, September, and we couldn't, you know, it's September now, but early September, and we couldn't find a suitor. And now, you know, it's going to cost more because the price has gone up. Uh, that bothers me as well. The thing that really bothers me about this is they gave up a draft pick for what may end up being a 13 game rent a player. Yep. Uh, he's going to want a big raise next year. And if you look at his career arc, he's got comparable stats, comparable production to Jesse James, mm-hmm. and he's a better blocker. Yeah. Okay. He's got comparable stats to Jesse James. He's a better blocker. And Jesse James just got a four year deal at 5.6 million per year. It's not out of the realm of possibility that next year, Vanette is making more than Vance McDonald makes now Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if he gets to the open market. And if he does get to the open market, there's also a very good chance that the Steelers don't even have have an opportunity to sign him, right. that he just he just says, well, it's just you know not going to work out here. I can be a starter there, and I can make $6 million a year. Why would I stay in Pittsburgh? So, well, no, you're right. And, and, and it may work out just fine. I mean, maybe maybe he doesn't prove out to be that, that dominant a player, and he's just a backup, just a Matt Spath type. But based upon what we've seen from him, thus far over his career, mm-hmm. that's not going to be the case. No. And the draft choice is gone. Um, I just think they should have done something a lot sooner. And I also think they really should not have drafted Gentry. Gentry 
is not a good player. Uh, he, he should have been an undrafted free agent and they took mm-hmm. him in the fifth round. Mm-hmm. So I, I see where people are coming from when they're like, yeah, so what? It's a fifth rounder. Well, yeah. I mean, if you look at who the Steelers just took in the fifth round, I guess that's why you feel that way. But fifth round draft picks can actually be very valuable. Well, and that's exactly where my viewpoint, because I've agreed with what you're saying. And and to me, it's not only that, yes, maybe you strike gold with a Richard Sherman or something like that in the fifth round. But but those those picks, like those fourth, fifth, sixth round picks, can also be used as part of a package to move up to get somebody that that you're really, really, really high on. And if if you get rid of those, now you lose that opportunity as well for, as you mentioned, a guy that his, his his career best is 29 receptions. He's going to go over 29 receptions. Uh, and now you're going to get into that ballpark area that you just mentioned of how you compare him to Jesse James. And you look at the really nice amount that Jesse James got, and he's still a number two, uh, even, you know, he's kind of a borderline two, three tight end right now for the Lions making really good money. So, you know, that's what we're looking at when we look at this. It's not that we don't like the trade because they didn't need a player at tight end. They desperately did. We wanted that to happen a long time ago. We think it should have. Um, and and so now here we are. And and hopefully, you know, I, I think Vance is going to be kind of a game-time decision coming up this week. And, and, you know, he's already got people kind of chirping at him because he's like Glass Joe. He doesn't seem to be able to – um, you know, stay 100% healthy and everything else. So you, you could be looking at Nick Vanette as being your starting tight end for a decent portion of the season. So, you know, it, it's 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 what we do. You know, we we criticize, we are critical of a lot of these things, and and uh, we, we give praise when we need to, and we're critical when we're not. But, um, oh, I, I, you know, you know. I, since we're hammering away on Colbert for this dumb trade, yeah. uh, let's talk about the Fitzpatrick trade. That was a great trade. I mean, I know we, we keep harping on that, but I, I firmly believe that was a fantastic trade. And when you can trade for a player of that caliber, yep. even for the first rounder, you do it. So I'm really pleased that Colbert was aggressive mm-hmm. on that front. Mm-hmm. On on this trade, I'm not as pleased about it. It's not the end of the world, but I, I just don't think you ever should give up uh, even like a, a four or a five for a guy who's going to be a 13 game rental and i agree i i'm afraid that's going to be the case with this guy but hey since we're talking about kevin colbert let me ask you a question you got it uh kevin colbert's contract expires Mm -hmm. after the draft next year Mm -hmm. and there's an awful lot of speculation that he's done in pittsburgh after that happens and his behavior this offseason and, and this season has been very anti-Colbert, to say the least. He's been very aggressive, making a lot of moves. It, does it seem to you like he's maybe on the way out? I, I do. Um, I, I just, I mean, part of it is that, uh, you know, and Scott Kasmer, um, Football Outsiders, who I, I think is is really, really good at what he does, you know, he, he tweeted this kind of after the, the Vanette tr- trade. He, he basically said, you know, where was all this aggressiveness two or three years ago when this team was a, a hell of a lot closer to, to a, an AFC championship Super Bowl type run? You know, now we're being aggressive after your quarter, your starting quarterback goes down. I mean, what what's happening here? And it's not just 
uncolbert like it's also unsteelers like you know and it's just i i think it's got everybody kind of you know like what's going on why are we doing this now you know and and i firmly believe uh ben i i i just got this feeling that that he's going to move on uh whether or not that means retirement whether or not that means he, he goes and works somewhere else i i don't know i i just get the feeling that that you know the whole antonio brown thing i know i'm not supposed to mention his name out here but i did um I just got a feeling it. A lot of it rubbed him the wrong way, and and I think he's just playing out the string, so to speak. And it's kind of like, hey, Mike, uh, you you want this tight end? Sure, let's go get him for a fifth. You know, I don't mean to make it sound quite that simple, but yes, that's the feeling I have. I think he's on his way to being done. Um, and and at this time, don't ask me anything about replacements because I'm not going to even worry about that until I know more about it. So, um, yeah. what where are you on Colbert? I get the same feeling uh, and I've asked around and I mean, nobody knows for sure. There's just a lot of speculation that, you know, they think that he may be hedging toward a retirement. Um, And, you know, there are other people speculating that he's going to take a year off and then go to work someplace else. So I don't know. I guess we're going to see what happens. Um, yeah, there's. It's been stressful for him. I I get that. Uh, you, you know, I don't see him throwing any shade at anyone on the way out. That's just not like Colbert. That, correct. Correct. You know, as well, he's he's a Pittsburgh guy. He's lived there yeah. a lot of his life. North Catholic. You kind of have to wonder if he's if he's actually going to leave. Um. So. I don't know. Yeah. I guess we'll see what happens. Maybe, maybe he's just winding things down and he's just going to retire. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't either. That's just what my gut's telling me as I, yeah. as I sit here on, on September 26th. But um, I, I do want to thank our sponsor, 26shirts.com slash Pittsburgh. Uh, right now you can get the Pens-themed T-shirt, Reservoir Pens. Um, if you know anything about the movie Reservoir Dogs and the movie poster, it looks just like that. It's kind of, it's kind of a neat little uh play off of that but uh eight bucks goes to the american cancer society of uh pennsylvania so please consider that and uh like we've said all along they're great shirts they're really comfortable they're durable you can wash them forever the graphics stays the same the color stays the same um and and it's it's just great and uh dell and the guys there at 26 do a terrific terrific job and i know dell speaking of him is absolutely thrilled right now his Bills are three and zero. Bills Mafia is going absolutely insane. They've got the Patriots coming in uh, this weekend, so it's it's just crazier than ever up there. But uh, Ben, let's uh, let's spin it over to Mason Rudolph. Um, what did you like? What didn't you like? I mean, we have to keep in mind this is this guy's first career start, you know, and all these other things. And I so do I, think I have one to keep the that in mind. <laughs> well, you probably should. The problem I'm not is, going to. I'm not. Well, but, I'm, but, but, I'm basically going to say, okay, I'm, well, I'm going to evaluate him the same way I do Ben. This is what he was supposed to do on this play, and this is what yeah. he actually did. And I'm not cutting him a pass because he's a young player. Well, no, Sorry. No, no, no. Yeah, no. Let I me mean, let me explain of- this. Let, let me let me just finish finish this, and I'll I'll jump right back to you. And, and I think one of the worst things that happened to Rudolph had nothing to do with the game versus San Francisco. I think one of the worst things for him was Daniel Jones, rookie, showing up his first career start, going off the charts, winning a game. I think everybody just automatically looks over at that and says, well, why didn't Rudolph do that? 
you know, I, I mean, people, it, it, it's, I can't even express how differently these situations are. But anyway, what did you think of Rudolph on Sunday? Well, again, what I was saying is this. When you're going to evaluate a player, his performance, you you try to do so objectively. And the way you go about that is you say, okay, here's what he did well, and here's what he did poorly, and here's where he can improve, and here's where he, his strengths seem to lie. And you leave it at that. You don't you don't consider his age or his experience level. You can do that later when you're being sentimental. Yep. When you're looking at what he did and didn't do, you don't say, well, I'll just give him a pass on this because, you know, he's young. Mm-hmm. No. No. And Ben misses open players. And Definitely. when he does, when he opens, when he misses open receivers, we criticize him for it. He missed, misses an open receiver. What yep. the hell is going on with Ben? Um, and he did, especially in the Patriots game. Guys were getting open. Ben just wasn't hitting them. And, you know, and then he takes Wednesdays off on practice and we criticize him for that too. I mean, yep. it, that is, that is a big part of the drama that played mm-hmm. out between Ben and he who shall not be named. <laughs> um, yes, it was a player, huge part of it. That the wide receiver in question works physically works his ass off. He wasn't a big film junkie. But physically on the field, the guy works his ass off, never takes any days off, ever. Ben has a bad game, isn't performing well, and takes Wednesday off anyway. And then on top of that, when he does practice on Thursday and Friday, he acts as another coach, which he should. He's a starting quarterback. But he acts as another coach, and he coaches the skill position players very hard. Yeah. And that's after taking a day off the day before and not playing well the previous Sunday, it contributes to a grind where guys start to resent him and look at that and go, what the hell? Why is Ben taking the day off when he played like crap? He's taking the day off when he's healthy. Meanwhile, meantime, this guy over here who he's got a beef with absolutely busts his ass. He never stops. Yeah. yeah. So it it contributes to it. If you're a oh, player, you want to win, and you want to see the guys around you work as hard as they can to win. And that's another thing that we criticize Ben for. And I'm only clarifying all of these things because we have taken some grief for criticizing Ben for taking days off. Right. Well, you know what? Sorry. He deserved it. So, Mason, getting back to your original question, <laughs> uh, I thought he played better in the second half than he did in the definitely, first, which was definitely. which was promising. Um he wasn't afraid. He wasn't as afraid to make mistakes in the second half. In the first half, I thought it was atrocious. Uh, he locked in on his receivers. Yep. And when the first option wasn't there, he went right to the check down. He was captain check down the entire first half. That's why they didn't score any points. Uh, he looked like Alex Smith out there. It, mm-hmm. Only worse. Mm-hmm. Um, he was not accurate. Uh, he kept floating the ball over the receivers' heads, behind them, in front of them. The line did not play very well. They didn't have no favors. You do have yeah. to take that into consideration when you're when you're yep. evaluating a quarterback. I think that's only fair. But uh yeah, Mason did just didn't get it done and, and he's gotta be better. And I'm not saying he can't be. He he seems like he's a smart guy. Yep. He's got command Agreed. of the offense. He's got command of the huddle. I think he's gonna be okay, but he's got some things he needs to get past right now. That's all. How much um, how much of his performance uh, would have changed had they been able to run the ball e- even even moderately 
um, on Sunday? Or or how much does his performance change if if maybe, you know, on the first or second series, I know the first series they had the turnover, but you know, if if they find a way to let him to let him go deep, which he seems to like to do, you know, does does anything change what happens for him in that first half, or or was it just going to be kind of a nervous check down type performance in the first half? Well, what they needed to do was go deep. They needed to throw over the box yeah. because what the Niners were doing was leaving eight guys in the box and daring him to throw it over their heads, and he and yep. he never did, and. What you can do in that in that situation is you can run four vertical routes, and mm-hmm. the first guy he finds open, he can he can fling the ball, but he's gonna get he's gonna take a hit when when yep. you do that. Yep. And they were trying to protect him, and so they never did it. Is is my guess? Um, but that that's what would have kind of loosened things up and and made the defense play a little more honest. They decided early on that they were going to stop the run. They left eight guys in there. They ran a lot of run blitzes, which that can be effective on pass plays as well. They never bought, they never ever bought the play action. The Steelers were trying to sell and the Steelers ran play action practically the whole game. And the Niners were like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And why shouldn't they? We're just going to keep doing what we're doing. And, you know, if you don't like it, you don't like it. Uh, I'm not sweating it. And, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, it was, would it have, would it have helped him to have a running game? Yes, it would have. Yeah. But I think the Niners were dead set upon letting them establish the run game. And so he had to try and throw it over their heads. And he, he just didn't. He didn't get it done. And I'm not saying that wasn't, you know, by design. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he had a couple of long pass plays. It didn't seem to make a difference in the defense in the defense's approach because, you know, they were winning and they were performing well. So yeah. why change it up? I, I, I was impressed with, uh, uh, you know, his, his overall ability to kind of hang in there. I think after that first half, a lot of guys would have, would have been pretty down, but, but clearly they did a few different things and, and came back out. And I, you know, I was impressed with the, the San Francisco defense. I, you know, that's, that's not a, uh, an average NFL defense. I think they're a little above average. I think that that defensive line is good. I, I think they got some good linebackers, obviously some decent secondary guys, but you know, and, and I, I, I agree with you. I, I think he just, he, he was locking on. I, when I was watching him, uh, on the tape on on Wednesday, um, it, it to me it was like one drop back he would lock, and then the next drop back he would go through his progression so fast that he wasn't giving guys even a chance to to get open. And you know that's really easy for me to say as I sit here at a desk um, and and don't have three hundred pound linemen steaming down my path, you know. Um, but I, but that's where he's he's going to have to adjust to that. He's going to have to learn, you know that that um, he's got to be able to get through his progressions. He's got to be patient. He's, he's you know, and I think they gave him. Did you get the feeling they were giving him kind of just half the field to read in the first half? They weren't even giving him that much. They were giving him one read. I mean, well, and I, yeah. And I'm not saying I'm not saying that was the design. I, I right. <laughs> there were times when there was an open receiver adjacent to his number one option and he was mm-hmm. missing him. The guy was 10 yards from his number one option standing there wide open 
yeah. and Mason didn't see him and went straight back to the check down. I don't think that was designed by the coaching staff, designed by Randy Fickner. I think mm-hmm. that Mason missed those throws. And <laughs> I don't get it. I, I really don't. I, I I thought he was a smarter player than that. Maybe he was nervous coming into the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he certainly seemed to know in his in his post game press conference that he had not played well, mm-hmm. uh, and he didn't. He did not. So I look forward to seeing him improve upon that. I, I do as well. He'll be at home. It's going to be a little bit better, at, you know, atmosphere, obviously. Um, you know, and, and, and we'll just kind of segue into that in our last few minutes here. Uh, you know, the Bengals come in at 0-3. This is essentially a uh, a fight to the death because at 0-4, you're, you're pretty much toast um, in terms of, of making any sort of postseason run. And, uh, you know, I, I, I expect him to play better. I expect there to be a few changes. Um, I expect there to be more emphasis this week in practice on, on trying to create more running room. Um, you know, I'm sure that the Vanette will get as up to speed as he possibly can. And, uh, you know, I, I'm really curious to see what they're going to do with the receivers. Uh, Moncrief obviously has, has kind of placed himself in the doghouse with all of his drops. Um, but at the same time, you know, uh, I thought Deontay Johnson showed some flashes last week. James Washington still not quite what we expected, I don't think, but I'm trying to be patient there. You know, so to, do they go back to, to Moncrief? I, I don't I don't know what's going to happen there, but I, I think Mason Rudolph plays a heck of a lot better. Whether or not the Steelers win that game, I'm not going to say that. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's do or die time with, with Cincinnati coming in. Um you know, we we talked a little bit at the beginning, Ben, about the defense and Mark Barron and and some of those things. Um, what what is what is going on? I mean, I think Fitzpatrick's, you know, like I said, stabilized things a little bit, but this defense just cannot. It doesn't have the depth to be on the field as long as they've been on the field. And again, a lot of that's the offense's fault for not sustaining drives. But even that said, there are still some deficiencies. What what are you seeing on this defense that is just making you pull your hair out? Uh, well, a few things. First, you mentioned time of possession, and I, I have to tip my hat to the defense in this regard. Mm-hmm. The defense has played, has already through three games, they're already at a deficit of 30 minutes to the offense. Okay. Yeah. So they played 30 more minutes, a whole game worth of snaps, more than the offense has played so far in three games. If this continues throughout the rest of the season, we're going to have a whole bunch of guys that are walking wounded on that unit because you can't, can't stress your body that much every week and expect to be able to stay healthy. So there's that. The other part of it is, and this is huge, uh, mm-hmm. the Steelers are biting on play action every single time, especially, especially Devin Bush and Mark Barron. And they are coming up and they are filling holes faster than they should be. Well, I'll just leave it at that. Um, yeah. Bush has actually got decent makeup speed. He can He can pull back out of that and – get back out into the flat if he needs to. Barron can't. Barron's going to have to be a little bit more cautious about biting on play action and on run plays in general, yeah. which 
when you're a linebacker, it's counterintuitive. I mean, you you want to crash down on those things. But when the Steelers see play action, they're crashing seven and eight guys down the line, and quarterbacks are just thrown over the middle of the field because it's wide open. And that can't be the case. They, they've got to, yeah. you know, if, if they're going to, if they're going to play play action that hard, then they got to start playing man or bump on every single play because <laughs> they're getting killed. <laughs> you can't, yeah. you can't crash down that hard on play action and then play zones behind it. Cause all you're doing is tackling the catch. Right. Uh, unless you're Terrell Edmonds and then you miss the tackle on the catch mm. and then the guy gets another 20 yards, but that's, I digress. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the things that are driving me nuts right now. Um, you know, Edmonds is, has not been good in coverage either. Um, he's, he hasn't been horrible, but he hasn't been good. He's been better than last year. I'll give him that. Definitely. He's, he's missed some tackles. Uh, he still has that incredible speed, man. Yeah. He's got this this burst when he's got the ball in his hands that makes you hope he gets another pick or a fumble or something. Right. Um, Steven Nelson has been a really good addition. Uh, Joe Hayden has, is still solid. Um, you know, I don't, I don't see Joe Hayden as a top 10 NFL corner anymore, but he's, mm-hmm. he's still been solid. Minka Fitzpatrick has been very good, but it's only been yep. one game. One game. So I'm looking forward to more from him. Uh, but the defensive backfield right now, Mike Hilton, the side is, is looking pretty good. Um, Cam Sutton is having a nice year. He is got to give him credit. Cause he's a guy yeah, we were high position. on. Yeah, he's gonna yeah. he's gonna get more and more snaps in that nickel position. I think that if he tackled better, he'd already have more snaps in that nickel position mm-hmm. because the Steelers nickel back needs to be a needs to be a good tackler. He needs to be a guy who can come in and support the run. And that's why they liked Will Gay there for so long. Um but yeah, the, the guys up front gotta stop biting so hard on play action. You know, trust your teammates. Trust your teammates. If you can't stop the run with five guys, you know, these guys are going to, they're going to kill you all season with the same thing over and over yeah. and over again. They're just going to keep throwing over the middle up oh, easy yards. Boom, 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 run the ball, you know, move the ball down the field and short passes. And this guy gets a lot of yak after the fact. And then we've seen it three games in a row now. Well, you know, we have, and it, it, it it's been a broken record. Uh, whatever you want to call it. it. It has been with the, the short throws over the middle, followed by the runs, followed by a shot deep, you know, that type of stuff, and especially off play action. But, um, I, you know, a, a, as we wrap things up here, I, I think they're going to find a way to get it done this weekend uh, or on Monday night, I should say. Uh, I, I don't expect it to be pretty, but, um, you know, Andy Dalton usually is, is – uh, good for giving us a couple so i'm gonna hope it stays that way but uh anyway thanks again make sure you check out the site everybody steelcityblitz.com and on twitter at sc blitz and uh for ben uh this is steel dead signing off unfortunately not from the fortress of steeler two and that'll do it everybody and hey go steelers